Welcome to the American Landman podcast, where we discuss buying, managing, and selling American land. Join us as we listen to real people who buy real land for the enjoyment of owning land and as a vehicle to financial freedom. And now, your host, the original American Landman, Neil Hogger. And welcome to this week's episode of the American Landman. I'm your host, Neil Hogger, land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. And you're listening to the American Landman podcast, where we buy, manage, and sell American land. Well, as I record this episode, it is December 16, 2023. And I look back over my episodes and I have to apologize. I've been absent since September 22, where I launched the last episode. And a lot has happened in that time and uh, mostly deer hunting season. There was a lot of bow hunting and then uh, rifle hunting. And man, I tried to get good conversations scheduled and booked. And just for whatever reason, multiple times, uh, the guests I was going to have on the show just backed out kind of the last minute or maybe my schedule, uh, excuse me, my schedule changed and I was uh, not able to do the call. And it's just one thing led to another. And over that time, I started kind of doubting whether I was going to continue this podcast. But uh, I want to thank you guys that called me because I think it was a, something God mess, mess, sent you as messengers for you guys uh, called me and uh, uh, just kind of pushed me into it again, I guess, and said, hey, we, I missed the podcast and I would get a lot of value out of it. So um, I want to give a shout out to Jared from the Habitat podcast. Uh, he's a good friend of mine and uh, Jared called me. He was one of the guys. So if you aren't listening to him, you need to, there's a shameless plug for Jared, the Habitat podcast, one of the early podcasters. You need to give him a call. And then uh, Jeff Stevens out of uh, Missouri or Michigan actually has a farm in Missouri. He's a a loyal listener and he mentioned it. And uh, one of my good buddies, Gus Kecker, he's a farmer in uh, Polk County, Wisconsin. He said, Hey, I was listening to your podcast as well. And I don't know, just, you know, it kind of gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling that there's actually people listening, getting value out of this, uh, out of this podcast. And frankly, that's what I do it for. So thank you very much. Well, today we're going to talk about, um, or talk to one of my listeners and also a client. And I'm going to bring him on here. His name is Zachary Austin. And Zachary, uh, I met him uh, a while back. I was uh, selling a property and uh, and he had listened to the podcast. And I was thinking about buying it, actually, as you're going to hear. And I hadn't listed it yet, but I was talking to him. And I go, yeah, I got a deal. You know, I've got a, a property. And I, at the time, if I, if I recall right, you know, I thought I was maybe going to purchase this for about $70,000. And um, I thought it had a market value of you know, 130, 135, maybe 140. And with a little bit of cleanup, you know, this is going to be a, a great investment. And I was talking to Zach about the process and he was learning from me and I was helping him. And, and one thing led to another and I decided to give him this deal. And um, somewhat regret it because it he did pretty well and I would have liked to add this deal. But you know, I felt really good about it. And I said, Zach, I called him up one day and I said, Zach, I'm going to give you this deal if you'd like it and I'll help you. I'll help you do this. So um, we're going to bring him on and we're going to hear his story. And uh, I think you're going to like it because he's a new guy. He made great profit on his first deal. And then we helped him buy a second deal. And he's going to tell a story and there's a lot of great lessons in this. So I hope you enjoy it. So without further ado, we're going to get into it. And But first, we'll have a word out from my sponsors and then we'll get right back to the show. I'm Neil Hogger and I'm a land specialist with Whitetail Properties Real Estate. 
And this is the American Landman Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vitalize Seed. Cycle nutrients the way nature intended. The Packer Max HD Culture Packer Crimper. 100% of your seed goes down, 100% of your seed comes up. Landgate, data, intelligence, and marketplace for land and its resources. First Products Grain Drills, maker of the multi-drill. Quality, precision, durability. And lastly, acres.com. Explore and value land with confidence. And now, back to the show. And welcome to the show, Zach Austin. <laughs> How's it going, Neil? Hey, man. You ready to do this? This is gonna be a good. This is gonna be a good one, I think. I, I think so. It's kind of been a long time coming, but I'm I'm ready. ready I know. To get the show going here. So. Yeah, it took me a little time to convince you that you should get on the show and tell your story because I think this is a great story, actually, of a guy yeah. who wanted to do this. I, I think you've been. I'll let you tell your story, but you've been hearing me talk about buying, managing, and selling American land, and you thought, man, I want to do that. So yeah, yeah. let's start with that. So where'd you get this crazy idea of buying and flipping land? Well, honestly, I mean, for the most part, it kind of came up over the last year. But if we go back further, I mean, I'm obviously a hunter and whatnot. I mean, I've been hunting, bow hunting whitetails since I was 12, 13 years old. So that's kind of always been my thing. And I've always wanted a piece of dirt. Um, even at a young age, I kind of knew that. But um, kind of fast forward to the, the process that we've started here. Um, earlier this year, I ended up, I, I had been listening to your podcast and I'd been listening to Jake Holfer with the Land Podcast. And just, I think what really started, it was actually hearing a lot of the stories from a lot of other guys that are kind of your average everyday guys that were able to buy their first piece of land and kind of go from there. Um, that That's kind of what spurred the whole thing. But that's impossible, um, Zach. It's a, you can't find any land to buy. You hear that all the time. That? That's impossible. Oh, you hear, yeah, you hear that all the time. You can't find anything. There's nothing out there. Exactly. And and even when I was growing up, I mean, God bless my family, but I had always heard from the guys I grew up with and my parents and whatnot, like you'll never be able to own, you know, a hundred acres or 80 acres or 40 acres. The prices are too high. And you hear that from a lot of guys, but you know, I, <laughs> again, I, I started hearing the stories from your guys' podcast and that definitely changed my mind a little bit. And um, those guys that always told me that it wasn't possible still don't own any land themselves. <laughs> yeah, funny how that I'm happens. Kind of breaking that cycle a little bit, but yeah. Well, maybe we'll come back around to that because I'd like to address that because that's a great point. You hear that all the time, and I get it yep. on my Facebook posts and a lot of the guys that are kind of the negative guys, I guess, if you will, for lack of a better term, are never going to buy any. And then there's guys like you that are hanging out there, listening and hanging on every word, and you're picking up little hints and little tips along the way. Yep. And um, Jake Hofer, I'm glad you mentioned him. He probably listens to this. He's a good friend of mine. And Jake and I, I think we're the first two podcasters. He was the first. I was the second. I always, I don't know if you know this, but I always kid Jake. Jake, if you're listening, you know this. I, I actually thought of this podcast concept where we talk about buying, managing, and selling land and like the stories behind it and try to talk about the ins and outs of it. And I just never did it. I didn't follow through. And then all of a sudden I was searching the internet and found Jake's podcast and Son of a bitch. <laughs> That's my <laughs> <Going> idea. <laughs> so I listened, yeah. I listened to him for a while and then I actually called him up one day and I go, I got to tell you this. I had this idea. He goes, well, execution's everything. Right. And yeah. I, I laughed and I said, yeah, I guess so. So, all right. So you're out there listening, you're listening to podcasts and talk to Jake or you heard from Jake, you heard him and then you heard mine and 
Then what? How'd you start to move the needle, so to say? Yeah, and I guess I'll rewind a little bit. So I, I did initially call you this year, but prior to that, um, so my last job, I had a coworker uh, I worked with, and uh, he was lifting um, enclosed trailers. I know we've talked about this, but yeah. I think you might have. I was talking campers. It's not quite campers. We're just talking uh, like your enclosed side-by-side trailer that you would throw a side-by-side or a four-wheeler in or whatever, just a cargo trailer. Um, simple as that. Um, but anyway, he was flipping these things he'd you know every week he'd come into work it seemed like and he'd, he'd buy one on craigslist or facebook marketplace and turn it around and weep it out or fix a couple of lights or whatever it may be very simple stuff and he'd turn around and sell it and make another thousand dollars or another fifteen hundred dollars or whatever a little side hustle and, yep exactly and and he was doing this long enough to where it definitely caught my attention um so i was asking him all kinds of questions i know you're going to be shocked by that <laughs> i asked a lot of questions when i'm interested in something you ask a lot of questions but that's okay <laughs> yeah yeah it, it helps me get to where i'm going anyway so yeah but anyway um yeah i was kind of drilling him with questions and he's a super nice guy he's a buddy of mine and he kind of gave me some pointers on where to get started and long story short i ended up buying uh kind of starting with scratch i ended up buying a two thousand dollar trailer just an old six by 12 rusty i mean it wasn't totally rusted but it wasn't in great shape let's just put it that way and i ended up turning around i think i fixed a couple lights on it swept it out um maybe brought it to the car wash i don't quite remember but anyway i turned around and sold it for i think 27.50 so i made 750 bucks off that so i know that doesn't sound like much especially when we're talking about uh buying land but um fast forward a little bit over the last two years i think it's been i think i've sold bought and sold close to 30 of those trailers now um and i've probably averaged about a thousand dollar profit on those um which basically helped me get started with the down payment and really get into this game to be honest with you i've been able to do it without really taking anything away from my my regular everyday income which has been a huge huge plus um it's all been on the side um i'm married i got two kids and everything so that would obviously kind of kind of chip away at our our everyday finances if i was doing that but mm-hmm. yeah so trailers. trailers yeah exactly that's awesome. side hustle and getting after it and i will say from day one when i i bought and sold that first one the intent all along was to save the money for the down payment for a piece of land i, I kind of knew from the get-go that's what i wanted to do with that i just needed something to do on the side to get me there and that was that was my uh my way of doing it i guess and it's worked out pretty good i'm still doing it today um it, the market kind of is up and down but it's working so. it was easy everybody do it you know when you when you told me initially i was thinking like a travel trailer camper that's what i was thinking yep Yep. I, I remember you mentioning that cause when I bought that first property, you kept mentioning, uh, I should buy one of those and put it up on that property maybe just yeah. to kind of give some incentive for the next buyer. But, uh, but yeah, no, just as simple as a, a hauling cargo trailer. Wow. And it, the, the thing that's nice about it is they are simple. I mean, a lot of times it's just a matter of me cleaning it up and marketing it a little bit better than the last guy and off I go. So. It's amazing what marketing can do. And I would say yep. that's probably been one of the keys to my business here for Whitetail Properties um, is great photography and videography and dripping pictures out there and just kind of being consistent. But initially, exactly. when you when, when you said initially, I thought, you, like I said, I thought you said um, uh, campers. I was like, ah, man, that could be a hassle. But yeah, you simplified sure. it a lot and down to like enclosed trailers. That's kind of brilliant because I know I'm looking outside at mine right now and it's got like this film all over it, but it is a beautiful black trailer. The inside's yep. got a bunch of stuff. Cause I've been cleaning out a cabin that I'm rehabbing right now and it's full of junk in there. And 
But yeah, you could just come in and wa- spray it and wash off the sides. They have like a cleaner, exactly. right? Is that what you do? Yeah, a lot of times, I mean, I've had trailers to where I've, a lot of times it's just kind of like buying land. If you're if you're in the business of flipping land anyway, it's kind of like buying land. You just got to find the deal from the get-go. But I've had trailers that I bought that were just priced right and clean as could be. I literally came home, took pictures, posted it and sold it. Yeah. Didn't have to do anything. Um, and I've had some, like I said, I've maybe had to make some minor repairs, just replace some light bulbs or um, add a cable to the rear ramp door or something like that. But for the most part, yeah, it's just cleaning them up. And a lot of times guys just don't take very good pictures. I mean, as simple as that sounds, I've had them where I get one picture that only shows half the trailer and, you know, a lot of people aren't interested in it for that very reason. And then I bring it home and shine it up and put 20 pictures online and give all the details and my phone's ringing off the hook. So marketing. (laughs) I think it's brilliant. So somewhere out there, you know, you're kind of letting the cat out of the bag and you just created, you know, I got like three listeners, so there's not too much competition that you're talking to, but, but, uh, <laughs> but so a guy's listening to this right now and you're thinking of a simple way to start making some money. Is there like a, like a model, like a method? Like I look at that one, but I don't go look at that one. Like, how do you, can you give us some tips, some specifics, some insiders information? I'll do my best, I guess. I mean, the, the big thing with me was just kind of finding a little niche in that area. Like I said, I had a buddy that was already doing it. Um, so he kind of gave gave me the rundown to begin with. And I started off with some pretty inexpensive trailers. I was just kind of nervous and I wanted to prove the concept up front. Um, but yeah, a- after I bought and sold those first couple, um, I guess I've just kind of developed a niche for a certain size. Um, a 14 to 16 footers seem to be common. I think just because that's what a lot of people need for their side by side. Mm-hmm. Um, the Makes rear sense. ramp door is, is a bonus so you can drive a machine in there versus like the swing doors um, but yeah other than that I mean you kind of got to get a feel for it and um, once you look at enough listings and maybe buy and flip a couple of them you get an idea of what the prices are or what they should be and that helps you identify deals when you see one um, you know if, if on average a certain size trailer is selling for five to six grand on Facebook marketplace you know I got my eyes out for one that's listed at about four thousand or something so if I see it, the other key is you got to be on top of it. It's like a land deal. If a good deal pops up, it's gone in a hurry. Um, so I've spent a lot of hours scrolling through the marketplace ads on there, but, um, not always the most fun, but that's how you, what you got to do to find those deals. A thousand, thousand bucks a clip. Do you come in then and do you like change, you change bulbs, sweep it off, maybe wash it. Do you rewire it and or grease it up and put new tires, that kind of stuff? Or do you look for a little bit more cosmetic stuff than a lot of work stuff. Yep. You you could um, go as deep as you wanted with it, really. I mean, I've seen at this point, I've probably scrolled through a thousand different trailers or thousands, I should say, but um, some need a lot of work. And I've just gotten to the point where I kind of have a goal in mind with each one. Um, I'd like to get a thousand dollar profit off of each one just to make it worth my time. And I don't know, I just feel good about that number. If I'm getting at least that much, I feel like it's worthwhile. Um, but anyway, to answer your question, if uh, it needs a lot of work, I'll usually just pass. I'm just looking primarily for cosmetic. I'll keep it simple. Um, I want to get it home, clean it up quick and flip it, get yeah. it out of here. Um, well, my wife doesn't really want it sitting in the driveway either so that's another another motivating factor just to get it home and gone in a hurry um yeah keep it simple um, if it needs a lot of work i'll usually just pass and wait for the next All one right. the so. kiss the kiss principle keep it simple stupid 
Exactly. Lots of good segue. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Let let me just add quick. Um, It it doesn't have, and I'm not saying this just to take guys away from the trailer thing, but you could literally flip anything nowadays. I mean, I I know plenty of people that, I know people that do flip uh, the pull behind campers. I know people that flip four wheelers and snowmobiles. Fishing boats. Yeah, anything. I mean, you name it. You just got to find something that you know, you know, find a little niche and just go with it. Right. Um, It could be done with just about anything. So, well, when I got into the, the business, so buying land and flipping has a kind of a negative common connotation, but you know, investing sounds better and selling. <laughs> um, but you know, it's flipping, I guess. Um, yep. it was the same thing. You know, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know, do I really know what I'm doing? And I started looking around and, you know, I think I know everything cause I'm a land specialist, real estate agent. I started feeling pretty, pretty cocky that I kind of, you know, recognized opportunity and so the first thing I looked for was something that was very simple. I felt like, all right, there's a little bit of room here. It's mostly cosmetic, a lot of like little sweat equity, a couple weekends. And that's what I found. So the whole cosmetic model to, like you say, prove your concept to my wife was the, that was the litmus test to see if I could do it. So I met Monique yep. and, and, and at your first closing. Uh, so before yep. we get into the property and talking about that, talk about her. I mean, how did you get your wife on board? Because you were going to lay out some money and take a risk, and you were going into uncharted waters buying this piece of property we're going to talk about. Absolutely. No, that's a, that's a good point to bring up. Um, so we've been together, um, I think, over 10 years now, and she, long story short, she knows I'm a diehard bow owner. I mean, that's not it's not just a, a thing I do on the weekends. My wife and my kids it's honestly kind of our lifestyle. Um, so she's known as long as I've known her that I've always wanted a piece of ground. It's always been a, a life goal of mine. Um, and she also knows that I, I want a big piece of ground. We'll, we'll get to that someday, but you got to start somewhere. So she knew eventually we would buy something. And to her, to her credit, she's never doubted me one bit, honestly. I mean, she's let me make the decisions as far as she's been a part of the decisions. Don't get me wrong, but she's kind of let me run with this whole land thing and trusted me all along the entire way thus far. And I mean, it's, it's so far, it's a short journey, but so far it's been good. Um, yeah, she's been on board from day one and, um, I'm very appreciative of that. Yeah. The kids are as well. So, well, so let's talk about the property. So I'll, let me start off because I started off as my deal and, uh, mm-hmm. right. And, uh, I actually got a call from a seller and his brother who had this property and they originally called me and, and they said, Hey, you know, we want to list this property with you. And, and I said, yeah, let me go take a look at it and start talking to him about it. And, um, along the way, he's kind of led me to believe that he wanted to move kind of quickly on this and, and you never yep. know, you know, so that's kind of one of the keys to finding these opportunities, to have a motivated seller for whatever reason. I mean, it could be they're in a financial hardship or it could be they're out of state or, if there's a partnership, one wants out, one really doesn't, but the other one wants out because they're in a hardship and the other one can't afford to buy them out. And, um, so that's motivation or it could just be, they're just, they're just done with it. And they just, they just want it over with and they're ready to make a deal and they'll be fair on it. They're not trying to squeak out every dime. And honestly, I don't remember the exact reason why, um, these guys were selling, but there was two brothers and yep. somehow along the way, I think they said to me, Hey, you know, I understand you buy stuff. I said, yeah, I, I, I do. And I, I looked at this property, Zach, and I, and I remember I talked to you about it cause we were talking and you had called me and I said, you know, I started talking about it cause I told you, I, I helped try to help people find a piece of property. And I, I don't know if I took you the right way or what, but 
you said, that would be a great one. I'd really like that one. That's good. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> slow down. I'm doing this one, buddy. You, you got to find your own because I thought I could sell this for probably in the 135 range and maybe get it. You know, it depends on how I negotiate as an agent. Sometimes I'll say, okay, well, we're going to list it at, I'm picking numbers, 80. And yep. um, you would pay me, you know, whatever commission. And I could kind of mess around with that and say, you know, what if I cut my commission in half? You would, you'd, this is what you would get. I'll buy it for that. And if you're interested in selling it, it'll be quick and I'm cash. And so I can kind of play with my commission a little bit uh, sometimes um, sure. all, all the way down to, okay, well, if you sold to an agent, you're going to lose this. So before we list this property, um, take your 80 minus the six or 7%, you would have paid an agent anyways, and I'll buy it at that price and you can buy it right. I'll buy it right now. And if they're yeah. anxious, sometimes they'll say yes to that. So, um, depending on who's listening, sometimes they might think that's manipulative, but I don't know. You just never know it. You know, as an agent, it's a little bit more precarious because you got to tell them you're an agent. You know, you got to legally say I'm a licensed agent because the law sure. says you probably know something more about it than them. And, you're not going to take advantage of them. So we don't, I don't do that. But <clears throat> so anyways, so we were talking and I was like, Hey, yeah, this is a pretty cool. And it's got timber and there's a bunch of junk around there. And, and, um, I would probably put some food plots in there and trails. And you're like, man, it sounds really good. It's exactly what I'm looking at. And you kept calling me yeah. on it and asking me questions. How's it going? And you kept asking me. And, and then all of a sudden my wife and I were talking one day, and this is private stuff you didn't know. And, uh, She's like, you talk to that guy a lot. And I'm like, yeah, he's one of these guys that finally told, did what I told him to do. He's calling me <laughs> to talk, but he calls me and talks all the time. Like, <laughs> right. And I'm like, so yeah, but I was like, you know what? He's doing exactly what I told him to do. Yeah. So I remember, so then, okay. So it got to the point where I started thinking about not buying it. And then, and then you came in the picture. So you, why don't you pick it up where you called me that night? Do you remember what I'm yep. getting? The yeah. very first time I called you? Yeah, when you finally yeah. got it to be your deal. Remember what I said? Yep. I, well, after I had initially called you, I, yeah, like you said, I had called many times just asking questions and kind of learning as much as I could from you just to get the process going. But I think, if I remember right, you had actually called me um, one day when I was at work. I was actually working that day and I got a call from Neil. Usually I wouldn't even answer, but... Like, oh, Neil's calling us. This might be important. I dropped everything I'm doing. I pick up the phone and um, talk to me briefly. And you basically said, remember that deal I was talking about that you've been drilling uh -huh. me on with questions? <laughs> right. um, I, I'd like to actually offer it up to you. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me by surprise. And then you heard one of these. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> it took me by surprise, but I was, I'm sure I had a big smile on my face because it was kind of my first realization that, holy crap, this is actually going to happen, you know, or possibly at that point. Did you also have some fear? Like, holy crap, this is about to happen? Initially, no. And I mean, not, not right away. I think there was more excitement than anything. Just finally, because that's what I originally had called you on the first time was just kind of a, here's my situation. Here's what I'm trying to do, Neil. Um, seems like every, every thousand dollars I save, the price per acre goes up a thousand dollars. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but that was our, our very first conversation. Um, so I, I wasn't sure that I was ever going to get there, to be honest with you. But fast forward to this call and you said I could maybe get that deal from you. The excitement kind of kicked in. I'm like, here we go. So um, eventually the nervousness did catch, catch up with me a little bit. I mean, we fast forward to the week beyond that and kind of going through the whole uh, buying process. You know, there was a lot more questions, different questions, and then kind of second guessing and that whole thing. But as a first time land buyer, I, I assume there's 
that's kind of normal with a lot of guys. Yeah. That's where I was. So how did you, did I take, I don't remember, did I take you up there the first time or I kind of recall that I wasn't able to join you and you went up there on your own, right? Cause you ran, you live nearby. Correct. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I don't remember if it was that next day or how soon it was, but after you had told me, um, I could possibly get that deal. I obviously wanted to see it and I did end up running up there. I'm sure it was within a couple of days of that um, phone call. Um, went up there to check it out and just kind of see exactly what we had to work with. And, um, yeah, but it was everything you said it was going to be. I remember that initial conversation on that property being a lot of it would be similar to like the trailers we were talking about, just cosmetic cleanup in order to kind of increase the value. And that was right up my wheelhouse because I knew you know 20 acres as great as it is it wasn't that's not my end goal so i knew it wasn't a property i necessarily wanted to hang on to um the goal right away was to improve it clean it up and hopefully make a little bit of profit off of it to turn it into the next property which is what we've done mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I got up there i seen the, the junk laying around and took a little walk through the woods and everything uh it was raining that day and i actually i think i ended up sending you a picture i can't recall but i actually found a, a shed, shed up there which yeah yeah which i mean honestly when i i found on that and not a whole lot to be excited about it was a small shed but I, I found that i picked it up and i was like for whatever reason i'm like this has got to be a sign i mean this is just <laughs> this is meant to be so because i had been shed hunting my tail off all spring i think i found i probably found around 45 or 50 this year i'm kind of a shed hunting nut too but like i said that one wasn't big but i took it as a sign that you know we, we got to go through with this <laughs> this is like yeah. a sign from god or something so about one was to say you were walking because i think that's a key note we're going to make a I'm going to give you some information on. You remember the month? What's that? When were you walking? What month? Uh, I believe it was May. I think that was when we, right. it was right around the end of shed season. We were just starting to get green up. Um, so I was kind of surprised I even found it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Because, you know, I, one, I believe it one of the, me. one of the, I'm going to say secrets that people should take from this podcast is I really like starting looking for these properties, like right about now, all the way to <laughs> like March. Um, a lot of people think that the land's not being purchased. People aren't looking. And I find that actually every single purchase I've made has been in the fourth and the first quarter of the year because people aren't looking. They've just kind of like forgotten about deer season. Maybe the guys that really want, you know, beautiful deer hunting properties, but that's not necessarily what I'm looking for when I'm looking for mm-hmm. these properties to make some money. It doesn't have to be the perfect one. I'm looking for, again, sure. motivated sellers. So they caught this property and they, they kind of tend to believe the sellers a lot of times tend to believe that, um, you know, th- this property is going to be here for a while if I don't sell this now and they get a, a mm-hmm. interested buyer there, a lot of times they're a little bit more willing to play with you and, and negotiate with you. Plus the, sure. the the land is kind of ugly at that time of the year. It's cold. Not anybody's looking at it. If it's late spring, it's muddy. It's brown. It's dead. You just don't see the beauty of it. But on the positive side, you can get out there. You can really see what you're dealing with. And a lot of times, it kind of looks like what it's going to look like in the fall when it's probably at the peak of its value. So exactly. right. So you purchased this in May and you went and looked at it. And when you got there, there was a uh, like an old outhouse, right? Tell us, tell us about what it looked like, what was there, and and then we'll get into the process of purchasing it. Sure. So it's a twenty-acre parcel, kind of running north and south. Um, 
the long way um, with road frontage on the south side. So what they used to have there was a, um, a cabin there. So when you pull up, um, it's kind of an opening up front and there's a concrete pad where the cabin had been. The cabin was uh, had since been removed, but everything else that they had had from um, their old deer camp was still there. There's uh, an old homemade outhouse. There was a uh, uh, firewood little lean-to shed um, and just a lot of other random like Rubbermaid containers for storage and a lot of other random junk laying around. Um, we ended up filling, I think it was a 30-yard dumpster full of stuff when it was all said and done, just getting stuff out of there. And that was on top of everything we were able to burn. So just a lot of a lot of miscellaneous junk and garbage that had kind of been left around and um, they didn't, didn't care to clean it up. Um, and yeah. I love it when they do that because if they could have, if they would have spent a little bit of money like we're going to get into here, they probably could have got more for that property if they just would have spent some time. So before we get into the, after the purchase, um, let's talk about making your offer. So did you, you didn't pay cash for this, correct? Can you tell us how you made the purchase? Correct. We did not pay cash. Um, I had had uh, a down payment saved up from the trailers. Um, So I think you had initially um, given me a contact information for uh, Kevin over at Ergo. And I got in contact with him and went went through the pre-approval process. And um, my first couple conversations with him was just kind of similar to my first couple conversations with you, kind of letting them know what I had to start with and what my plans were. And he got me all set up with pre-approval. And um, I think we ended up putting 10% down on the property. 10, um, that's low. Yeah, that's yeah, actually, it, that's it actually much lower than a lot of people generally think they, I hear all the time, what do you got to have 30% or 25? I'm like, no, I actually, I think I always thought Kevin was at 20, but you got it at 10. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that was something that definitely surprised me as well. Cause I've heard the same thing from guys on your podcast and uh, yeah. um, some of the guys on Jake, a lot of, I think the average seemed to be right around 20. And I know I had heard guys putting down as much as 30 um, and maybe it, I'm sure it varies with where you're at and the size of the property and the total purchase the, price, the risk to the for, bank. Yeah. For, for whatever reason, I was able to get it at 10% down, which was a huge plus for me because I, um, going into that property, we knew we were going to have to spend a little bit of money with the cleanup and kind of improvement. So it allowed me to put our 10% down and still save um, a fair chunk of the money we had already had saved to do those improvements. So it worked out pretty well. Um, yeah, long story short, sent down and we just made payments for the rest of the period of time that we did own the property. Nice. All right. So, okay. So you made the offer, you had 10% down, he lends you the money. There was an appraisal involved, right? Uh, correct. Yes. So the bank, what happens then once they get the offer to purchase, then they send out an appraiser. And there was a little bit of, you know, pucker factor, if you will, because we're like, holy smokes, hopefully we get appraised well. Had you considered, oh my gosh, what am I going to do if it doesn't appraise? Um, I, I didn't think a whole lot about that. I just, from what I had heard, um, I can't remember if it was directly from you or a couple other people that said, as long as there's nothing really out of the ordinary with property, there should be no reason it shouldn't appraise. So that, that really didn't make me too nervous, to be honest with you. It was just a matter of getting it done and hearing back from them and allowing us to move forward with the process from there. Yeah. You know, kind of like the dirty little secret about appraisal is I get a lot of calls from the appraisers um, around here and I won't name who they are. And they're actually a lot of different ones, not always the same one. And a lot of times these guys don't really have a whole lot of experience with land. And over the years of doing this, I've kind of built up a brand locally and they kind of trust me and they see that I sell a lot of property. So believe it or not, they'll kind of call me, Hey, this is a little off record, but you know, what do you see in this property? How'd you come to this number? Um, so I kind of like prime the pump a little bit. Um, not, I'm not 
lying. I'm just saying, well, here's what you, you, you got to consider, okay? This property that he's buying is, you know, X number of miles from 6 million people. And it's on an easy travel route. And I go through like that Fab Five that I talk about. So if people don't know what that is, um, shameless plug, go to my YouTube channel, The American Landman on YouTube and look for the Fab Five and it'll come up. It's a video, but there's five factors that will kind of push a property, at least in my experience, to the front line. It's it's a stronger property if you could check all five of these boxes or a number of them. So this property, I kind of walked them through that. And um, I said, also, you know, this area out there has got a great deer hunting tradition. Um, a lot of guys, it's going to be very affordable. I think we're going to sell it very quickly, which is why I as an investor and why Zach as an investor is, is uh, interested. And look at the cleanup. I go, when you get out there, you're just going to see a bunch of junk. I mean, my guy, Rick, can clean that up for, you know, thousand, couple thousand bucks tops. And yep. it'll look like a million bucks. So easy peasy. We can get this done. It's worth it. And so I do that. I do that a lot. They'll call me and I'll just give them that advice. And I haven't had a problem so far. So, and, but I'm selling yep. them within a normal range. There's always a range of what yep. market is. And I know that. So by now you guys have heard me talk about the acres.com. One of our new partners, acres.com is a software tool that I've folded into my business to help me really understand a property. And one of the features that I and specifically keying in on is the vegetation health index uh, page. And basically what it does is I can hover over a property and I can look at successive years and I can see the health of a property. So if I'm looking at a property from the air and I see this heat map and it's got a lot of reds and oranges and yellows, I know that, well, it's maybe a little bit unhealthy. And if I notice that oh, a few years ago, it was all green. And now in the successive years, as we get up to the present, it seems to be getting red or orange. Well, that tells me that it's been mismanaged. It's a degraded, there may be issues here. And as a investor of land or even an owner of land, I wanna know how my property is doing. And I wanna definitely know how it's been treated in the past because that's gonna affect my own use, the value of that property. Fertility has a lot of implications. So check it out, guys. You can get a free membership of this on the basic level, but I've got the next level up. It cost me $299 a year, and I'm able to print off these reports. I'm able to dig into them. There's just a lot of features. So I want you to check it out. Go to their website, acres.com. Give them a call. They'd love to give you a free demo and tell them you heard it from the American Landman. So anyways, okay, so it appraised you from the time you made the offer till the time you closed, how long did it take? Ah, uh, boy, jogging my memory now because it has been a little while. But from offer to close, probably the month sound about right. That's what I'm going to think too. Thirty days, forty-five days, probably. Yeah, I, I want to say it was right around a month, maybe a week past. Yeah, or over, but it sounds about right. Yeah. So along the way, um, we got a surveyor involved, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that. Should I say his name or? Yeah, we'll give him a plug. What the heck? We only have three. Right. We only have three listeners. So what the heck? <laughs> right on. <laughs> so it was uh, Jim Scheffler. He's out of, I believe he's out of Eau Claire, or at least in that area. Um, I uh, I should mention too the uh, the survey thing was honestly kind of a little a little hiccup in the whole process because maybe it was the timing or, or surveyors are just that backed up right now. Whatever or a combination of the two, I don't know. But um, I had called around on surveyors because we wanted to get it surveyed as soon as we could because. I don't know if we mentioned yet, but the plan was to divide that 20 acres into two 10-acre parcels. Um, and in order to for me to flip it, 
Um, that was kind of a big key in that was getting that divided so we could get them back on the market as soon as possible. Um, so I, I was calling around for surveyors. I think I had got maybe some contact from you and I called uh, the county and did some did some Googling. Um, I had a huge list of surveyors in the whole kind of region of the state here. And I was calling and I was calling and I was calling. And a lot of them uh, where I ran into issues were a lot of them were just so backed up. I mean, I had guys telling me they were booked out a year. I had guys telling me they were booked out nine, ten months. Uh, another guy might have been even beyond a year. So when I made those first few calls, um, that definitely did make me nervous because with wanting to just flip it right away, um, I wasn't really wanting to sit on the property for a year or more and make all those payments. Um, just wanted to get it get it cleaned up, get it gone, and move on to the next. So anyway, um, eventually. I was able to get in contact with Jim. Um, I believe I got his contact actually from our title company, if I remember correctly. But anyway, I lucked out with Jim because he happened to be buying a property himself up in the same area, or he had already bought a property and he was doing some work on it for himself. This was personal property. Um, so with that, he ended up being up in that area um, a few weekends and said, because he's already in the area, he could probably make it work. Um, and long story short, that's what ended up happening. Um, I was able to get him out there to survey it. I believe, oh, it was probably, got it. I want to say it was within a couple of weeks of us actually closing on it. It was pretty quick because um, he was doing the survey work and as we were doing some of the cleanup. Um, yeah, that, that, that ended up working out finding Jim because if I had I not found him, I, I might still be sitting on that property. So yeah. I'm you glad know, I'm able to get in contact with him. You know, it's you know, it's notable about Jim too. Jim is an investor, and uh, he buys land and fixes it up and sells them. Um, some he keeps, I think. And did he give you some advice on the, what he thought about that property as far as value? Yeah, he, he kind of did, actually. He was initially kind of when he, after we had our first conversation, and I, I kind of got him lined up to uh, do the survey for me. He was started asking me a few questions himself, and I kind of got that vibe from him right away. Not a negative vibe by any means, but just that he, the questions he was asking me were kind of some of the same questions I had been asking you. <laughs> so he, he Right away, I kind of had a feeling he was maybe doing something similar or whatnot, just asking me about prices and all that. But anyway, yeah, I, we had gone back and forth with some conversations, and I told him kind of once he had seen the property, and I told him what I was planning to do with it. Um, a couple of the properties that he had sold or was selling, um, kind of in the same general area, um, within a county anyway, um, he said we're going for similar prices, and more or less just let me know that the prices we were trying to get out of there were, were fair, and he thought they would probably for sure sell if not this fall um, by next spring. And that kind of gave me a little little extra sigh of relief, I guess, just hearing it from another guy that was doing the same thing um, right. that, you know, it, it should work out. He said if it didn't sell over the course of the winter when things slow down that I shouldn't be worried at all because some spring the market usually kind of picks up again and it would go by then. But anyway, it all sold way before that. So yeah, we got done pretty quick. That is something yeah. you got to consider when you go into these things is that, um, how long are you going to hold it? And especially for a new guy, I know for me, even for me, I mean, when I, when I look at stuff and I'm thinking, uh, you know, buying this, making an offer, I always ask my wife, I go, how much money do we have in the budget that we could, can we carry this for a while? You know? And yeah. if you just do a typical outright purchase where, especially if you got a bank and you got to start making payments, you know, your first payment might be 30 days from closing. So you got a little reprieve there, but 
Um, I typically also try to turn them over quicker, but then you have short-term capital gains to worry about, and that's part of it. Mm-hmm. And, or, but yep. if you hold on to it, you get short-term gains or long-term gains, I guess. But, um, but then you got the monthly taxes and and um, insurance that you got to carry. So exactly, def- and that was another conversation we had too. I think I had um, just being a new guy, um, a lot of the the land podcasts I've listened to and some of the stuff I've seen on YouTube, especially in the hunting land community. Everybody talks about that 1031 tax exchange. Yeah. Um, and there is obviously benefit to that, but I wasn't totally familiar with exactly how it worked. So I had asked you about that um, along the along the way here, and you had put me in contact with the guy that was able to explain a lot of that to me. Is that Joe um, Deeker? Yep, I believe it. I believe it was yeah. Joe. Uh, we had a conversation, and in this case, it didn't work out for me because I was wanting to turn it as fast as we were. It wasn't really a long term hold, um, but that was part of our process, kind of cycling through those options. And um, you know, what's kind of what's kind of happened along the way here without I don't know if you even know this but you're kind of creating that team and I talk about this quite a bit and I know when I was getting into investing you know developing a team and I never really kind of fully understood it and got it but um, you got a you got a surveyor and you got a banker and yeah. we haven't talked Rick. about we have, we have we haven't mentioned Rick yet because we haven't got the cleanup we got Rick uh, the cleanup guy you got me you yeah. got an agent so you you kind of have a nice little team put together. Yeah. Like you said, it kind of happens without even realizing it. But now that we're already on to the second, fast forward a little bit here, but now that we're on to our second property or looking at our second property now, um, it's making it a lot easier because I have those contacts and I I feel confident calling those people and asking questions and getting the information I need. And yeah, building that team is definitely kind of a nice little perk when you get going and having people to go to to help you out along the way. So Yeah. All right, so you close on the property, you pile the kids and the mother-in-law and your wife in the car, and you head up there for the big cleanup. Yeah, so the uh, the cleanup probably took us, uh, we were probably up there for the most part, two or three full weekends. Um, and I, initially, I went up there with Rick. So Rick is the land clearing guy, for lack of a better term, I guess. He's got a, a skid steer with a big brush hog mower and a few other attachments and implements and chainsaws and everything. He's one of one of Neil's guys that he yep. uh, referred to me. Um, great guy. I definitely enjoyed working with Rick. Um, I ended up getting him up there for two full days. It was supposed to be a, a Saturday, Sunday. We, we ended up having some equipment issues one day that held us up. So he ended up coming back for um, part of a third day later on but nonetheless it was about a total of two two days so besides the the cleanup up front with a lot of the trash um the property was primarily wooded there was remnants of an old trail kind of right up the gut of it but aside from that it was pretty thick brush i mean it wasn't really accessible and that was part of our plan was to make it more accessible easier for people to walk and enjoy and see kind of what the property was all about um so we had rick up there day one probably i think most of that was the the trash cleanup getting all the getting the outhouse torn down and some of the uh, trees cleared and everything into the dumpster and day two we did a lot of the trail um, clearing we kind of just bushwhacked our way through that because there was like i said there wasn't really a trail system to begin with um yeah there's only yeah, that one yep. trail kind of like right up the middle right more or less yeah yeah yep. 
so they're right up the middle um and that and that was a fairly good trail i mean it was still clear it just needed to be kind of trimmed up a little bit but besides that we ended up putting a perimeter trail around the entire 20 acres and i think i had a couple other crossing trails added and uh we ended up clearing out four small little kill plot slash food plot areas um that was all done with rick i just the great thing about working with him is super nice guy i literally just pointed my finger clear this out or go here and he was he was on it he, he made quick work of pretty much everything we had to do um so it was, it was enjoyable working with him and seeing him kind of run the equipment and yeah made my life a lot easier because i'd probably still be up there <laughs> clearing trails without that stuff so. now you're you're not like a certified plan writer or anything but when when i took people there and or when i looked at it, excuse me i should say um <clears throat> there was a plan there. there. I mean, there was it, the way it was laid out was really nice. Actually, did you? Is that by design, or I mean, did you have a thought behind all that? Yeah, I, I guess just from years of hunting and daydreaming of all the properties I have had permission to hunt over the years, I've kind of <laughs> brainstormed a lot of that stuff over how I would how I would design certain properties or have trails or where to put the plot and et cetera. Et cetera. So with, with this one, my main thing, knowing that we wanted to split it into two 10-acre parcels, which by the time Rick finished up, I think we had already had that done. The survey was completed by Jim at that point. Everything was marked out. Um, <clears throat> so by following all the, the pink flagging we had up all over the place, I was able to kind of know exactly where the new property lines were up the middle. And yeah. um, my, my thought process was just having a, a trail kind of going around the entire 20 acres on the perimeter so you could get to the backside or either east or west property line easily. And then we had another one going um, kind of kind of parallel to the um, original trail that was there. So basically, we had a, a trail going around both new 10-acre parcels around the perimeter of each. Um, and then the food plot, uh, I think I had my... My initial thought was just to keep them central to the properties, but one of them did end up kind of being off to a corner, which in hindsight, I learned I maybe won't do that in the future because the the, uh, the neighbor ended up putting a tree stand kind of right on the line, basically overlooking that food plot <laughs> at one point. But yeah. uh, nonetheless, yeah, to answer your question, I did kind of have a lot of that just kind of brainstormed and thought out. It wasn't, wasn't random by any means but just to make it easily accessible for everybody and make it look nice. So we split it. Do you mind, do you, do you care to say what you actually purchased it for? Cause I think it's part of the overall story when we get to the yeah, sales no, that's part. Fine. Um, I think we bought the entire, well, rewind just a little bit. So I think initially our plan was, and this is kind of another good learning lesson for new guys. Um, my initial plan was to purchase the property for, I think you had said he was probably going to list it for 75 because if you remember they were kind of going back and forth on mm -hmm. exactly what they wanted to get for it so when you told me seventy five thousand the first time um my thought was well i'll just offer the guy 70 and they'll for sure take it just kind of what i was used to dealing with with trailers um and this process kind of went on they hadn't set their price right away i, I can't remember why it was taken a little bit. I think because there was two brothers, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, maybe they just weren't quite agreeing on the price. I'm not sure. But anyway, so my initial plan was to get it for 70. Um, and I kept drilling you with questions and had you asking them, you know, when they were going to be ready to sell. And 
I think what ended up happening was they maybe got kind of wind of how anxious I was to purchase the property. And because of that, they were maybe willing to up their price a little bit. So I think it ended up listing at 80. Was that correct? And then I offered, I ended up getting it at 77. 77. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yep. So long story short there, I was kind of too excited to get the property fast and they caught wind of that and yep. I ended up paying a little bit more than I wanted. But um, I remember you, I remember asking you about that. And you kind of reassured me like, yeah, it's a little bit over you what you had originally planned, but are you going to let a good property and what is still a good opportunity to make a profit flip away for an extra two grand? And when you told me that, it was like, well, yeah, put it yeah. in perspective, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you kind of reassured me that, yeah, you're paying a little over what you had originally wanted or planned on paying, but it's still probably going to work out in the end. And it did. So then we split the property in half. You had trails and food plots and stands. I think he went out, even went out there and left some stands on the ground and you had trail cameras and you kind of like made a turnkey. So we put yep. it back out on the market and I think we listed them both at 65,000 a piece, right? Uh, correct. Yes. So we now have two. 10 acre parcels bought at 77.5. We listed each of them at 65, I think is yep. how it was. So, yep. So list or bought for 77.5 and both of them combined listed for 130. And I'll add to, I think, total cleanup that I had into it between, if you include the survey, so the survey was. Um, roughly three thousand dollars, couple thousand dollars to Rick for the cleanup. So I'm in for five. Uh, the dumpster in for six. Trying to think if I'm leaving leaving anything out. Cleanup survey. I think that was about it actually. So you're into it for eighty three thousand five hundred. Yep. Some yeah, roughly anyway. All right, roughly. I'm just so there was definitely a margin there for profit um, between what we had the new listings at and what we had had into the property. So had you thought about like what profit margin made you comfortable? Um. Yeah. Because uh, I, I remember getting. I think we had gotten that first offer on on that. Um, gosh, it was probably within days of listing it. We had a guy that actually came by and if I remember right, he looked at the whole 20 and gave us an offer for 110. Was that correct? Yeah, I think so. I think that was the first time I really started thinking about exactly what I wanted to get out of it. And basically I just ran those numbers. If I were to get 110 minus what I had into it, um, of course uh, you get your commission and then um, eventually I'll be paying the big property gains taxes on it. Um, anyway, um, 110 just wasn't quite what I was hoping for. Um, so I wanted to try and get a 120,000 total out of it. Um, and that, for whatever reason, that's the number I settled on for yep. what we needed to sell it for. And after doing some of the math, so that's where I was. And I, I kind of stuck at that number throughout the rest of the process. Yeah. Cause I kind of remember us talking about that. Not that I was trying to pressure you, but I was kind of my job, I think as a as your partner in this is to, I'm going to give you the hard answer sometime, or I'm going to push you a little bit to make you think about yep. it. Cause it's like, okay, I mean, think about this, dude, you got 70, you got 83, five and you got an offer for 120, right? Uh, less mm -hmm. commissions. What would that be? 120. I think I was at 6% on that. Uh, yeah. I think 6%. So. so that's seven seventy two hundred dollars in commission. Minus seventy two hundred. I am not very good at math. I'm using my calculator. So you're at eleven thousand uh one hundred and twelve thousand eight hundred your eighty three five. You're twenty nine thousand three hundred dollars up on your first mm -hmm. deal and you haven't paid taxes, of course, but you know. Yep. You've grossed twenty nine thousand three hundred dollars. And I was like I don't know, man. Think about it. I mean, I, I know I do my best to give you the right answers of what these things will sell for, but I don't have a crystal ball. I do feel yep. good about our number, but 
sometimes, you know, don't pass up the buck on the first day of the hunt that you'd gladly take on the last day of the hunt, you know? And Exactly. Right. And I kind of like pushed you a little bit. Think about it. Yep. You definitely did. And I was definitely kind of thinking through the whole thing quite a bit. Um, but yeah, when it, when I ran the numbers for myself, it just like I said, I, why? I guess I don't know exactly why, but for whatever reason, that the, the profit I would have been looking at if we would have sold it for 120 or more just felt good to me. Mm-hmm. It sounded good. Mm-hmm. I felt like with what we had into it and the time and effort into it, that if I could get that amount out of it, I would feel good about it and feel like it was a worthwhile kind of investment, I guess. And either way, obviously, we would have made a profit, like just like you just yeah. said, we were still. Monique was like on board. I'm like, holy cow, this is a lot of thousand dollar trailers. I don't have to have in my yard. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we leave. So we don't take that first offer, and we leave it out there. But we finally got this thing sold, right? And we got sixty five thousand a piece on both of them, pretty much. Yep, we did. And I per, I should say. Yep, sixty five each. Um, the first one I think came in. I was actually in the stand, I believe, when you <laughs> messaged me. I was bow hunting. I, was, I think it was September, um, September, early October. But yeah, up to that point, I had been. I know I, I was still kind of asking you a lot of questions along the way. And am I am I kind of doing the right thing? And is this price good or is it too much or too little? And um, and I, I'm sure you kind of got a sense of nervousness from me. And it, there definitely probably was a lot of nerve there, just kind of sitting on it. And it really wasn't that long. I mean, we had probably been sitting on it for a month at that point after that first initial offer. We had been getting guys interested in looking at it probably once a week, but we hadn't had an offer actually um, beyond that very first one of 110000 We were probably so in September, start- right, at this point? Yeah, we're September, maybe you're early October. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right around that, that time frame, which is the um, high point I, for buying these properties. So I was still yeah, pretty confident. I'll, yeah. And I'll add to, um, I know some of the conversations we had had, you, like I said, I'm sure you could tell I was getting a little nervous, but it wasn't necessarily, it wasn't that I was worried that it wasn't going to sell. It was more that kind of like what we were talking earlier. Um, I, I knew it would sell. I just didn't want to sit on it through right through the winter and into spring and then see what happens then kind of deal i just wanted to get it just like the trailers i wanted i did the work i got the cleanup done i just wanted it flipped and gone so we could move on to the next well and i tell that to the young guys all the time the new guys it's like hey guys you know don't be afraid to like not hit a home run every single time i mean i've on one of my deals i made over a hundred thousand bucks on my second deal and i was it's you can get greedy and you're not going to do that every time I, my target is probably 50 grand. I'd like to try to make 50 on them, but Mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to get like overly greedy and sometimes good is good enough and just get it done and move on to the next one, man. Take your lessons that you learned and, and you did. So you ended up selling it for 130 total. Correct. They both sold for 65 for a total of 130 and less commissions. So you were, there was a 6% on that one again. I think it was. Yep. Okay. Um, so we're at 122.2. Last year, 83.5. I'm doing my math right. That sound right? I believe so. Came out with $83,500 profit. No, that wouldn't be right. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. All right. Without <laughs> doing the math. Later. <laughs> <laughs> without doing the math, how much profit do you think you came away with? I think we'll end up right around like four 40 ish 40 ish all right so, and that'll be we'll still have taxes coming out yeah of that at some point. all right well um, even for that you get that right job yep, job well done all right that's a, a number i'm happy with yeah no that's a hell of a that's a hell of a first deal so we're running out of time but we're going to talk about this because the saga continues 
So I'm out, I'm, I'm out doing my thing and I come across and you're staying in touch with me and you're still picking my brain and we become friends now. And we find out we got Gus Kecker's a friend of a friend and we're, we get this little circle going. So your team is growing. You're, you know, you got all these advisors and then what happens? You made another uh, offer. Well, yeah. Well, are you talking about the second offer? Yeah. The first property or the one that we're dealing with right now? The 81. The eight, okay. The 83. Or 83. Excuse me. Wash, yeah. Washburn. Gotcha. Yeah. So long story short here, we, we closed on those other um, two properties not too long ago. Um, we had got the check for them and kind of moved on. And that was that one was in the past. And now it was to the point where I was getting ready to look for the next property. And really, without even looking yet, um, I think my wife actually sent me a link to the one we just put an offer on recently. And I had seen it kind of that same day. I just hadn't had time to look at it yet. It turned out to be an 83-acre parcel um, with a cabin um, about an hour and 15 minutes from our house. Um, and we weren't necessarily looking for a cabin. Honestly, I'm kind of just in that mode where we wanted to do the same thing we just did and flip another one and kind of build our build our nest egg to get to the point where we could buy a, a larger, more permanent property. Um, but this one popped up. I seen the price and honestly, I was a little surprised. Um, so I gave you a call right away. I'm like, what's the deal with this one? Um, I'm interested. I like what I see. I like the acreage. The cabin looks awesome for the pictures I'm seeing. Um, what's the deal? And you told me it's a good looking property. It's some of it's just kind of lowland swamp area, um, and that might be part of the reason why it was priced a little bit lower. But when I heard that, I mean, I grew up hunting swamps, and as far as deer hunting goes, to me, swamps and bucks can be the best. Goes. Yeah, hand in hand. So that wasn't a deterrent at all for me. Um, so I ran up there right away. I think that next day actually to see it because I told you if I'm if it looks as good as what I'm seeing, I would be interested in putting an offer in on this right away. Um, so I ran up there. I seen it. It looked good. Um, I think that's got a little bit of potential too to kind of for the most part that one is turnkey. I mean it's ready to go and the cabin and everything and they've got stands and blinds and pots. But I, in my opinion anyway, it could be cleaned up a little bit as far as improving the habitat and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to that project. And then, um, yeah, so we put the offer in and it got accepted and yeah. we're already just like that. We're on to our next. So yeah. We're going to probably yeah, close that yeah. before the end of the year, but let me give you yep. some background on this. Cause you know, guys to me say to me all the time, like, Neil, how do you find these places? Like, how do you recognize an opportunity? You and I, actually, you have said that to me a number of times. How do I know? Like, how do I recognize? Yeah. And I'm like, you know, honestly, sometimes guys, it becomes a feel like I, this sounds goofy as hell, but sometimes I just walk on a property and it just speaks to me. It just does. And I actually had sold this property in 2019 to your seller. Um, and we sold it for 122.5, I think. He bought it for one twenty two five, and um, he fixed it up a little bit. He put some banks blinds out there, and he opened up some food plots. And he, I think, he worked on the cabin a little bit. Or he started bringing in material, brought in some shipping yep. containers, and I, for whatever reason, it's just come time to sell. So he calls me up and he says, "Hey, you know, I got this property. I want to put it on the market. Can you sell it?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be." There's just going to be a lot of guys. And so I started a lot of guys buying, you know, looking at this level. So I find that any property that's between 200 and 300, there's going to be a lot of buyers. And I did the analysis on there. I have um, my one of my sponsors, acres.com. I use their software. And I pulled up all the comps around there. And, you know, I found what I usually find. There's a broad range of prices and sales. But it, it looked, when I started to look at the like kind of property and stuff that had a lot of wetlands, I can overlay wetland and water features. 
you know, that stuff was down there in the 1200 range. So it was, you know, generally sure. considered by the other agents as not valuable property and not desirable. And yep. so I sold, I said to the seller, your seller, I said, so here's the dilemma. I mean, there's the comps and then there's what I think I can sell it for. And I, there's a challenge there because the appraisers don't care what I think I could sell it for. They look at the comps and the other agents in the area didn't see the value. But this black ash swamp with your high land that you have with some food plots, I mean, it doesn't get any better with, you know, for deer habitat. And these guys, when I put it out there to all these guys that will follow me, they're going to go bananas when they see the antlers that are coming out of this place. Right. And that's what grabbed you. And the the cabin was nice. So and I grabbed a lot of people because I I noticed on it was your Facebook post. I think that I had seen and it hadn't been posted more than a few hours. And there was already a string of comments on there from several guys asking about it and wanting information and 2,389, I'm looking at it, 2,389 uh, views in less than 24 hours on that. Probably. Yep, and I, I just kind of did what you, you usually say, like, just, just you'll tell everybody, just, you got to call me and get the information yeah. that way, because I got a thousand people messaging me, it's just a lot easier to call me, and that's what I did. And yeah, yeah, I got, a, I got a lot of guys that just said, hey, is this still available? Hey, you know, why, why is it so inexpensive? And I'm like, guys, I don't think it's inexpensive, it's... That's the price for the land around that area. I'm just, yeah. I said to one guy, I can gladly raise it if you, if it makes you feel better. Why don't you just give me a call, right? <laughs> I might have actually said that to me when I did call you. Yeah, so, well, I think I might have. <laughs> no, I, I think I like the price right where it is. <laughs> so you actually called me. I don't think anybody else did. I've had so many calls, so many emails and texts about that and land.com inquiries and like all these apps. And I mean, I'm like on every, all these apps. I can't even keep it straight. So Hey, by the way, if you're listening to this, just call me. Okay, guys, just call me because I might regret that. My phone will blow up next time. But um, <laughs> but I told you, I said, I said, Zach, it's a good property. And based on the reaction I'm getting and the fact that I think the seller is okay with leaving a little meat on the bone, this is it's a perfect storm, buddy. You should, you should, you should do this. And I don't remember exactly. Did you make a sight unseen offer? I think you did. Uh, in like contingent upon you know, inspection, I, I, right? I, yes, that's what it was. Yeah. Contingent upon inspection. We actually put in the offer, I think the night I called you, the first day we seen it, um, and it was contingent upon inspection. So I ended up taking the following morning off work. The crew is up there and check it yep. out and uh, went up there, did the walkthrough and it was all good to me. And I was happy with what I seen and we put, put the offer in. And yeah. You know, and that's a key thing. And I'm going to wrap this up, Zach, cause we're bumping up against um, uh, over an hour, but that's a key sure. thing that people should understand is like, sometimes, you know, when you get to know me or some, or your agent, whoever that is in the country that you're dealing with. Um, and if you trust them, utilize their experience because I take a lot of photos. I also took a lot of video and I can send those to you and you'll get a good sense of these properties. And if you trust me, um, Zach did one transaction. Now he's doing his second. And I said, Zach, this is worth everything. I'm telling you, just trust me on that. Just put in an offer, contingent upon inspection. And, yep. you know, if you don't like it, go there tomorrow. But obviously don't just do that just to tie it up because I won't let you do that as a buyer. I'll, I'll, I'll sense that. And I won't do that for my client because I represent them too. And, but, oh, yeah. you know, but we worked together and I called my guy up and I said, Hey, I got an offer. He's like, get out of here. And I said, yep, no, I got a great offer, full price offer. And I told you that. And that's another thing I tell people all the time. You know, everybody feels compelled that they got to play the game, you know? And I'm like, look, guys, it's priced right. Just, mm-hmm. you know, the last thing you want is another offer coming in and have multiple. And then the guy's 
does start to think that he underpriced uh, it, which sometimes is a yep. tactic to drive it up. He felt yep. good about it. it. It was priced according to the data. Is there a chance I could sell it? Yeah, there is a chance I could sell for more. There always is, but it also could sit there because it's overpriced. This was priced mm-hmm. right, and you just moved on it, and you got an accepted yep. offer. So, yep. yeah. No, so, I, I thought the first time I seen the price, I thought it was an attractive price. So I wasn't, I didn't doubt you one bit on just offering full price for that one. I, I was happy with it, and um, don't regret it one bit. So, so you're gonna roll your forty thousand ish into this one. And honestly, with a little cleanup, and this is going to have to be another conversation down the road after you get there, but, and you decide to sell it. But I think, you know, with cleanup and maybe you finish the cabin off, I'm thinking this might be a 225 property, maybe even a little bit more. Um, I mean, you you would definitely know more than me, but I I certainly see that value out there. Yeah. And you can kind of, you kind of feel it and you're still right in that sweet spot of what a lot of guys are looking for in these properties. So, well, this yep. t- we'll we'll continue the story, Zach. This is a great saga of the Zachary Austin moving into land manager, and you did a great job. I've given you a lot of these, but you get you get another one, buddy, because you're doing it. You're a lot of guys talk about it, but you're doing it. I want to congratulate you on a job well done. Well, I appreciate it, and I definitely appreciate the help from you and kind of along the way. And I'm glad I called you when I did. All of this, I think since May and we've kind of gone from from nothing to a property bought and sold and now we're on to another one already so give Neil a call and go from there well thank you for the plug all right buddy well I appreciate it and we'll talk soon all right have a good one Neil all right see ya